0: On Sunday, August 29th, 2021, I was in Houma, Louisiana, documenting Hurricane Ida. Ida was a catastrophic Category 4 hurricane with maximum wind speeds of 150 miles an hour at landfall. It made landfall at Port Fouchon about 35 miles to the southeast of my position in Homa, As winds really started howling in Homa, I left my vehicle where I was doing storm documentation and I took refuge in a courtyard by Marriott Hotel that was not only built like a fortress but also on relatively high ground. We were expecting the eye to pass directly over our location but right before it reached us, the storm started tracking a little bit towards the north and so it kept us in the eye wall, the strongest winds of the hurricane for a really long time. While I was in the lobby of the Marriott, I was taking video footage, I was taking air pressure readings, but I also struck up a conversation with Marissa Marino, general manager of the hotel. Marissa had a special perspective on storms, caring for your coworkers, and how to make yourself and your community more resilient. She gracefully agreed to do a podcast with me when I shared that I thought her perspective would be inspirational and benefit many of our listeners. So we recorded this podcast during Hurricane Ida in Houma, Louisiana. Sometimes you'll hear the faint sound of a waterfall in the background. That's actually the sound of water pouring down into the lobby from the saturated ceiling above us. You'll also hear a door slamming periodically as the force of the winds were trying to rip open the doors and actually broke a hinge. Enjoy this impromptu um, version of the GeoTrek podcast from inside Hurricane Ida. I found it inspirational. We all survived the storm really well, and I, I felt like I got some inspiration and learned some insights on preparing for storms from talking to Marissa Marino and some of the guests right there at the Courtyard by Marriott in Houma, Louisiana. Nice to meet you. My name is Hal uh, Needham. Some people call me Hurricane Hal. What's your name? My
1: name is Marissa Marino from um, Houma, Louisiana. I'm the general manager of the Courtyard of Marriott where we are. And I've been here for twin for thirty three years. So,
0: wow, yeah. you've been here a while. You've seen a lot of storms and here we are. We're kind of like right on the edge of uh, the eye of Hurricane Ida right now.
1: Correct. So yes. you were
0: saying like every hurricane is a little bit different. Could you explain that and like how that affects how people prepare?
1: Sure. So like every hurricane we go through, we always prepare. You know, you try to prepare for the worst con- case scenario with the best resources you have. So we always have the water canned food, lunch meat, burger, you know, anything that we can do to help us prepare ourselves. But with every hurricane being different, we don't know that just because it's a category four and it was a category four before doesn't mean it's going to react the same way it does now. You know, this one, we're on the edge of the eyewall. So we're just getting hit with 125 to 135 miles an hour wind constantly for the past four and a half hours now. So, um, originally when we started this hurricane, we were only going to have hit and then like an eyewall for like 30 minutes and then another hit again. It's just been a constant stream. So
0: yeah, we never we never got a break, right? We never really got quite in the eye.
1: Right. We've never got a gri- never we never got a break and. So like I was here for Hurricane Katrina, which was the category four, and I stayed in an apartment and boarded up my windows and never felt anything. And some people say that's the worst hurricane we've had. I mean, I've been at this hotel managing for five years. This is the first time we've ever lost electricity. And since we've had this, this hotel and it's 10 years old. So um, it's just so unpredictable. You know, you you prepare as much as you can. You pray, you board up, you sandbag, but you just don't ever know. And that's the problem with, with hurricanes, it's the same as tornado. It can hit one spot and then bounce and hit another spot. We've seen it bounce and hit land and then bounce back into the Gulf and then come back again full force. So until it gets into what a lady told me the other day, until it gets into the gumbo, and I ask her, like, what is the gumbo? And she's like, the Gulf of Mexico. Because, you know, like you throw everything in that gumbo pot, and when you start stirring, that's when you realize what's actually going to take place. Where she's, you know, where it's going to go, where it's going to make landfall, where are the rain. So, you know, like, yeah. it made really I- good sense.
0: You know, you're right about that because people were speculating it could go here, it could go there. Originally, it was going to go to Mexico, then to Texas and Louisiana. But you're right, until it gets in the Gulf, until you actually have a storm, then you really start seeing how this plays out. Kind of like with gumbo, until you actually add the ingredients, you don't really know what it's going to taste like.
1: And that's correct. You know, and so like this one all along was said we were going to get it. And then it jogged a little bit to to the left and then jogged a little bit to the right. And then we were going to be like head on. But it looks like we're on the west side of it. So being that we're on the west side, we're on the wind side. So we're not getting the rain, which is the east side of the hurricane. But to me, either side is not a good side because you have wind damage or you have rain damage. You know. Yeah, and it
0: seemed like this time, just from the wind-driven rain up high, then then there's uh, water kind of coming that that we couldn't do anything about it. It seems like it didn't come through the storm surge, but it's coming from the the wind damage.
1: Right, and that's the thing. As much as we can prepare, as much sandbagging, we think we got our bases covered. It has never ceased to amaze me how every one of them is different. I've been through George, Ike, Gustav. I mean, I've been through plenty of hurricanes, you know, and every one of them is different. So,
0: how do you prepare? Like the fact that they are so different, is there any tricks that you have, or just like things? Like, how did you prepare for this storm? Maybe using knowledge from past storms.
1: So we, um, you know, as far on a home basis, we definitely, you know, tied down everything we could tie down that could possibly fly. Um, we boarded up what we could at home, and made sure that we kind of had enough bottles of water, three to four per person per day in my party and then as far as coming to the hotel you know we've filled made sure all the drain lines were emptied so nothing would back up we made sure everything was good in place you know emergency emergency box where it's got glow sticks and plenty of flashlights and backup you know flashlight on top of batteries and and so like those are the fundamentals like i read something the other day that People here will live off of three Cokes a day until a hurricane comes and then they need like seven cases of water. And it's like, why? But they use that to flush the toilet where you can fill your bathtub up to flush the toilet or you don't have to good use good, clean water to do oh, that. Oh,
0: you're saying when a hurricane comes, people really have this high demand for water supply, but you're like, wait, you, you can use maybe fill up your bathtub or use rainwater or different things like that
1: correctly you can use rainwater you can use you know bathtub full to, to flush your toilet so it's constantly being clean you know in now drinking water is really good to have to brush your teeth and to drink and stay hydrated and then you know like you most people if you're in a state you have propane tanks where you can do some grilling but and eating but none of that's gonna take place until after this storm hits, you know? So best case scenario is you get all the supplies you can get. Do you ever have enough supplies? I mean, sometimes we we feel like we have too much, but then when we're going two weeks without lights and without heated water, it really gives us a new perspective on the things in life that we take for granted. And when we take those things for granted, this is kind of nature's way of telling us like, hello, you're getting a little too comfortable. We're going to make you suffer a little bit because we take all that for granted every day. The Wi-Fi, the cell network, you know, all that is just second nature to us. And so when we come down to a storm like this where it really takes us to Oh, let's play a card game or let's communicate with each other, you know, without electronics and without lights and without, you know, all that stuff that we're just used to. It makes you respect the people more around you because, you know, it takes a whole entire village to raise a kid and it takes a whole entire town to rebuild from a hurricane. You know, and that's
0: a good point. As terrible as these storms are. You know, and that's a good point. As terrible as these storms are, um, you know, there are probably, you know, assuming a family makes it through, nobody's hurt or whatever, you know, a lot of families end up playing board games, you know, in the days after that, they don't have electricity or, or reading books and instead of just always movies or whatever, you know, it just makes you kind of slow down maybe and, and do things a little differently, maybe in an old fashioned way, but sometimes that's good.
1: Yeah, it is definitely good because we do let time get away from us and time is the one thing that we'll never get back. You know, example my chief engineer lost his whole entire roof. And so normally we bring key people here. And I was like, I understand you wanting to stay home. He stayed home, he called us in a panic and we're like, we're going to get him in the middle of a storm. That's what we do. That's what we do in Louisiana. We rally around the people. And if someone needs help, we help them. We don't have to know them. They don't have to pay us. Will you help everybody? And that's what helps the town get through, you know, and, and that's, the, that's the thing about it. We look out for the best interest of everybody, not just your own personal interest.
0: Yeah, I love that perspective about coming together. I have live in Texas now, but I lived in South Louisiana for eight years. And boy, there's so much community. People come together when, when there are hard things and uh, it makes the community stronger.
1: Yes, it definitely does. Um, you know, when the community comes together at the Katrina Um, there was people giving away food, gas, um, Tide came in and washed our clothes. I mean, and it really makes you appreciate that there are people out there that want to help us. Because you know, Katrina was a little freak accident because for so many years you get prepared to, I'm gonna board up and I'm gonna evacuate. Well, we've evacuated multiple times before. $1,000, $1,500 in debt, you come back and you use your rent money and your electric bill money to evacuate. So now you're coming back into a state where you're behind, you need to pay bills. There's, you know, all these aspects because some people down here don't have the means to evacuate to go to Texas or a vehicle to go someplace.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned that because people say, why don't you just evacuate? But there's thousands of people evacuating. The nearest hotel might be hundreds of miles away, right? So you're, you have to eat out. It can be a long trip. It can be really expensive. And like you said, a lot of people might not have the means to do that.
1: So, yes, we, I've evacuated for one hurricane and that was Hurricane Andrew in 92. And I remember when I was younger, walking the car on the side of the car faster the dogs than it was to move in the car. And so by the time the storm hit, it took us 13 hours to get to Alexandria, Louisiana, where it was originally a three and a half hour drive. And by the time you get there, the storm's over with. You have no idea what your home's gonna look like when you come back, but all you can do is hope and pray and that you have neighbors that's gonna help out and watch your stuff and you're going to do your stuff and the neighbors are going to help you and you're going to help the neighbor. And then it's a community involvement.
0: So what, what what did you find when you came home from Andrew back in 92?
1: So when I came home from Andrew, we actually just found that the fence was down in my yard and then we went without electricity for three and a half weeks. So it was very hot. And this is the first time I can honestly say we slept on the balconies, like on a blanket and pillow because it was cooler with the wind blowing at night than it was inside the house.
0: Yeah, the houses get so hot without AC down here in the summertime. So you were sleeping out on the balcony and for three and a half weeks with no electricity.
1: Yes, and they're, they're anticipating with this storm, um, right before the electricity went off, they were saying that they're anticipating us to have 20 to 25 days with no electricity.
0: What was it, Friday at
2: t- 6 p.m.? So Friday at 6 p.m., they called a mandatory evacuation for Terrebonne Parish. So when I call my owner, he's like, Evacuate everybody. I'm sorry, you have to stay. And I'm like, I don't have a problem staying, but my family's staying with me. Like, we're not separating. You know, as much as I don't want to leave my home, because of course I worry in my home. And then, so my mom, she's like, I want to stay. And I'm like, of course you want to stay. But we're going together as a group, you know. So. I yeah. She so just said, this is a great place herself, for you to you be. Because
0: then you're together. Plus it's like the safest building around.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we decided that we were going to come here. And um, my staff, we were like going to call everybody and evacuate them all. And then I talked to Hugh at, um Hugh from Homeland Security and he's like Marissa, look, it's late if people get on the road now. There's no hotel rooms from here. Oh, that's right. North, south or east. So next room is Dallas, Texas. And he said well,
0: Oh that would be that would be probably an eight or nine hour drive if there wasn't an evacuation.
2: In a regular drive, Dallas would be at least ten hours. And so he said, you cannot make them leave, but, you know, you can't force them to stay neither. And I'm like, I'm not trying to force anyone against the will, but, you know, like a lot of people were like, are y'all going to close? Because every other hotel that I know of in Homa closed down. They locked the doors.
0: I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that.
2: Every other hotel in Homa, even with backup generators, they all closed up and locked the doors and so my owner was like it's your call and i'm like well i hate for people to be put out and not not know where to go because you know at that time it's gum in here or there but we don't know because it's still not in the gumbo pot so you know you know at that time we just said okay we're going to contact everyone if they want to stay we're going to let them stay Um,
0: is this your staff or even just like people in the community as well
2: people in the community so we're about 75% occupied with just regular people, whether they're down here for news, whether they're here to help restore things when power's lost, whether they just needed a place to go because a lot of the down the bayou and, you know, cause Homa has a lot of bayou that stream down. a lot
0: of low country there that was definitely going to flood in the storm
2: right and so a lot of them their only means is to come here because they can't afford to go to dallas or you know go further
0: So, so you were a place they could go kind of locally or regionally you know 15 minutes away and save themselves instead of trying to go to dallas or something like that
2: yeah and that's the thing so we made the choice to let everybody know that if they wanted to stay we we of course said You know, we recommend that you evacuate, but if you want to stay, we're not going to force you to leave. And a lot of people were like, thank you. You know, we didn't know what we were going to do because they don't know where to go at that point. They don't know what to do at that point because it's already a point is too late. You know, if you're going to evacuate, you should have got on the road like at least Friday morning. So, with that, yeah, I mean,
3: so
0: you get into Saturday because this is Sunday today. It made landfall Sunday afternoon. Right. Saturday, there was a ton of traffic. It was almost in a way too late unless you wanted to sit in gridlock forever.
2: And that's the thing, you know, like the only time that I knew that traffic was not backed up was I want to say Friday night because everybody kind of was trying to see if they're going or staying. So, they said the roads were open up good Friday, but as soon as everybody started waking up Saturday, You know, you had a very limited amount of window to start preparing for this storm because we have people that work Monday through Friday no matter what. Whether a storm comes or not, you gotta go to work. And so then they're trying to get their house together and and then pack up their whole family and leave. And sometimes, you know, that call it's a very pivotal moment on whether you stay or go. But if you make a decision to stay, then you just at that point you go you're safe.
0: So, what percentage of your occupants here were were like local people that just uh you know didn't want to go hundreds of miles away but wanted a safer place close to home?
2: So I will say probably about 45% of the people that are here are people that live within a 30 mile radius from here, and most of them come from like Bayou Du Large, um, Bayou um, Du Lac, like they you know all from that low lying area on the bayou because. That's the only place they can afford, you know, so they stop busing people from, you know, Caravan Parish to other counties, other parishes at 6 p.m. on Friday.
0: I see. So if you got into Saturday morning and... It's like really hard to evacuate and there's gridlock on the roads, no hotels within nine or ten hours. You're like, well, that's not really an option. So you, in a sense, gave people a, a more affordable, accessible option that they're like, we live in the low country. We need some place to go, but we we can't go all the way to, to Texas. Oh,
2: yeah, definitely, of course, because not only is there no hotels, there's no gas station there's no gas period from here between there. So if you get on the road and you don't have backup gas, then you are you could break down on the side of the road. Cars overheat. There's a lot of issues that can take place. And then, you know, some of these people, you know, once again, they don't have the means to go to Dallas, Texas. And by the time they get there, you know, 20 hours later, the storm's over with and they could come back. You know, because the parish opens back up as soon as it's safe for people to move around inside the parish. You know, so, so that's the thing. And so most of the people that are staying here, you know, are people that are from Bayou Du Large or live in low lying areas in, in Houma and and they needed to get out, and so this is where they Marissa, th-
0: So that literally could be like a life-saving thing, like no doubt, where right. people said, we we can't afford or we don't have the time to drive 10, 15 hours, so we're just going to stay home, and all of a sudden they have floodwaters in their house. Instead, right. here they are at the Marriott and Homa because you opened it up to accommodate these people, and it sounds like you, you also actively reached out to try to bring people in. But
2: yeah, we actively reached out to bring people in, and we, we gave them he warning like, hey – The storm is going to hit at this time, so you cannot check in because you're not allowed to be on the road, you know, because people, some people are just not realizing what is really going on because they don't live in this area, you know, so we called them, we're like, hey, come on in, we're going to be here, we're going to be open, we're going to do what we can do to help you, and then if you're not coming, let us know too so we're not worried about you being stranded on the side of the road because... You know, we really do care about all of our customers, you know, it, it it takes them because they keep coming back for us and, you know, we want to see them. We don't want to hear that something happened to someone that was on their way here because they didn't get notified that there was a major hurricane coming because we've had that. People don't realize it because they live up north, North Carolina. You know, they didn't realize a hurricane was coming. So, you know, we, we let Every morning we could possibly know, emailed, text, we, you know, phone called everybody multiple times in a day to make sure that they understood what was taking place right here and we welcomed them in. But so we were like, you need to be here by 10 o'clock on Sunday because if you're here one minute later than that, it's too late, you know, and that and that's the problem.
0: Yeah, so you kind of wanted to get people in here before the storm really set in and everything like that. Um, wow, it, it, it's really inspirational. I mean, that, that's a great thing that you did, I think, by staying open and giving people an option here. Uh, especially, I'm, I'm thinking of these people that live in low line areas that would have been in harm's way and maybe instead they found themselves here.
2: Yeah, and we have some elderly people that are here that can't walk the stairs. So we have, like, handicap rooms on the first floor, you know, on the first floor. And they can't... Um, they can't, you know, you know, walk up the stairs in the event of the electricity going out. You know, so we do have them floors that we block them into. And, and we have a plan that if the water was to come in, you know, to raise them up. You know, we had people that would pick them up and move them upstairs if that's what took place. If that's what needed to happen, that's what we would do. Mm. You know, so yeah. it, it's very, you know, we have rolling showers, which is easy for people that are you know, in a wheelchair that can't stand for long periods, they could take a shower. Whether it's a cold shower or not, it's still still a shower.
0: So you really thought through ways that even, like, disabled people or people that are handicapped could come in and use your facilities where you could house them. And then, like you said, you already thought through how would we get them up if a flood came. It sounds like you you kind of talked through a plan to actually carry them upstairs if you needed to with the power out and elevators not working.
2: Oh, definitely. You know, you have to have a a plan on top of a plan and sometimes the third plan is just, hey, we're just looking at each other and we're gonna like, okay, let's do it, you know, so what well, we do try to look out for everybody in our, in our house is, this is our house for me, you know, um I feel like the mother hen because I'm responsible for everybody here and As much as I want to be like, no, don't, you know, like people are going to be people and they're going to be nosy and they're going to want to see what's going on. but let's just be very cautious and safely about it because we don't know if that could cause a life-threatening issue that you might not be able to come back from. And, 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 And that's the scary part.
0: Hey everyone, the interview with Marissa Marino ended rather abruptly. She was just starting to talk about all the different animals in South Louisiana, like snakes and alligators, and then suddenly. The conversation stopped. A guest had come up to her during our interview and said there were actually some gentlemen walking through the hotel. This is a dark hotel with no electricity. People are using flashlights and headlamps. There were some gentlemen going door to door trying to break into different rooms and possibly steal people's stuff. This is the kind of stuff she was dealing with in the hurricane. Unfortunately, looting is a part of um, hurricane recovery. When um, lights are out, electricity is out, often curfews are in force in the streets. But if you're in a hotel, or even you're out in the streets, often there are issues with looting. And so I thought it was interesting that here she was really trying to help out people in the region, trying to help out her community. But then at the same time, because of that, dealing with some problems and some people that, you know, were not trying to do well for their community during the storm. I thought it was interesting. I thought, you know, this is someone that could have just uh, sheltered in place, protected herself, shut the hotel. Life would have been a lot easier, but instead she's there open trying to serve the community and dealing with potential looting in the hotel at the time of our interview. So she did a great job handling all that. It just reminded me, though, people that work in hospitality, people that work in tourism, often, you know, trying their best to help people out. But uh, dealing with storms, they have to survive the storm conditions themselves, but then all these different issues with, uh, with guests and and people in, in the uh, community as well. A lot of people want to give to their community, but unfortunately in storms, sometimes we see people that want to take or take advantage of others during storms. Just some show notes there to uh, give you context of our conversation and why it ended so abruptly. That was a situation she had to take care of during our interview. After interviewing Marissa, I was interested to find a few guests there in the hotel that would share their experience. I found a few people that would do an interview with me and share their perspective of the storm and where they live there down the bayou listen closely, you'll hear the South Louisiana accent. It's kind of a gentle accent where the R's often drop off. Some people compare it to almost like a Eastern New England accent in some cases. But this is really a Cajun South Louisiana accent. People have a distinctive culture there, and they're also very warm, hospitable people, but also very tough and resilient. I was excited to talk to a few guests right there at the hotel. <laughs> well, uh, my name is Hal Lilley, Hurricane What's your name? Thank you. Thank you. nice to meet you. you. And what's your name? Iola, Iola, nice to meet Iola and Peggy. Appreciate you taking time. So here we are at the Marriott, and Iola is your mom, Peggy, and uh, she came here because she lives down the bayou in the low country, huh? Yeah, so the, the, the low
4: country, but we have a good levee that holds the water back. I haven't flooded since the levees, since
0: the raise of the levee. No. And you said your home is is uh, elevated now as well, right? Yeah, I'm
4: 10 feet high. Yep. Yeah.
0: Do you you know how your community did yesterday in the storm?
4: I haven't uh, called anybody, so I don't know how everybody got through the weather yet.
0: (laughs) Peggy, you you were saying that in some of those places it's probably easier to get in by boat than by car right now because down in the bayou with all the channels of water and everything.
3: Yes, uh, possibly some of them that are impassable because of the roads, yes. The uh, bayous in front, like her house, if
4: you can get close enough to the water you can take a boat to go
5: how long
0: do you think it'll be till so people can get back in
4: it won't take long it doesn't take long because every hurricane i got out and in time they cleared the roads mm-hmm. some
0: people were saying yesterday that the wind sounded kind of like betsy you know um back in the day did did this storm remind you of any others in the past or was this just different
4: oh this was one like uh i think i passed betsy in my house in Bayablu. Uh that whistle. we stayed we stayed mm-hmm.
0: that yeah yeah the whistling of the sound yesterday we really had it and it, it i think brought back memories for people
4: right yeah exactly she was the, I was a little kid but she was a lot older with Betsy. you know but. Yeah, i remember all the hurricanes
0: uh, at my <laughs> age i've been through all of them what, what are the main ones that that stand out to you that impacted you
4: oh betsy and um Camille? Camille? Oh yeah,
3: Camille. Even though we didn't get Camille, but the last lot got Camille. Camille yeah. was bad. I remember that. Mm-hmm.
4: I was, was a teenager. Yeah, so okay. I, I passed all of them pretty good. What about Katrina? No you damage. No, I didn't That's lose my Katrina. house. And I you, so. you left
3: for Katrina, huh?
4: uh-huh. You left for Katrina, huh? No, I didn't go anywhere. We stayed home. We stayed in your house for Katrina. Oh yeah, we stayed in my house now. It wouldn't have
0: been for my daughter telling me leave, but I'd be in my house I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you have to be the one to say, "Hey,
4: it's time to get out." Huh? I oh,
0: yeah. I see. I see. I understand. Um, so,
4: um,
0: why, when did you raise your house? When uh, was that recent, or uh, after one oh, of the big storms? Oh, that
4: was after Gustav. Huh? Gustav is one of
3: the big ones that came through. Yeah, yeah. Gustav and think are the two that came
4: back to back after Katrina. Mm-hmm. That so it's been I up. It's, uh, it's been I up quite a few years. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah so uh, i'm happy i did that so and you said
0: your brother stayed behind for this storm is that right yeah
4: my brother lives with me he never leaves the house okay
0: did you try to talk him into leaving or did he did you know he, he wasn't going to leave you can't
4: get a signal down there no before you left could you talk him before you left you oh yeah talk him. No. No, he I was, just, was determined to stay oh yeah You can't let him, he won't leave. No, he won't leave. Somebody bought us a generator, so he's
0: good. So your house is up 10 feet. Is the generator up as well? Is Uh, it elevated?
4: No, that's on the ground. The water rose.
0: Yeah, if the water rose, it would have gotten the generator. I hope you all did okay. This is an inspirational story of how the Marriott stayed open just as a refuge. So how far away mileage-wise or uh, driving-wise is is your place from Homa here from the Marriott? Oh,
4: from here it would take um, uh, my um, is 40, 35 to 40 minutes to get
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Iola, I'm guessing if you if you're on the bayou, your elevation's probably pretty low, right? You're, the elevation of the land is probably pretty low.
4: Well, oh, when I put my house up, I was three feet, three inches above sea level.
0: Well, so the the ground was three feet, three inches above sea level, and then you put your house up to 10 feet. Yeah, I
4: put it up to 10 feet, and then that, after that, my neighbors started putting theirs up.
3: So yours so,
4: is, now that it's raised,
3: it's three inches above sea level, right? Oh, no. With before oh, you oh, raised
4: okay. it, up. I, I want to clarify. I this. see. So <laughs> before you
0: put it up, it was three feet, three
4: inches? Three inches above sea oh, level.
0: Oh, just three inches above sea yeah. level.
4: I had to get I had to get the elevation done before I could put my house up to check up
0: to see. So it, previously it was three inches above sea level, but now it's up ten feet, so it's a lot
4: higher. <laughs> oh, the water's got. But uh, the most I've gotten of water since my house is up before they finished the levee was three feet under my house of water.
0: Oh, so there was three feet of distance from the water to the bottom of your house after you raised it?
4: Yeah, before they finished the levee, but now the levee is finished. Uh shouldn't have any water in my yard. <laughs> so,
0: that, so and levees are kind of these embankments that keep water out um, for people that aren't from South Louisiana, and they, they really can protect people in times of flood.
4: They've really been hauling dirt every day, every day, wherever it needs it, they go put some more and they're raising it up higher. It was a big
3: project, putting that levee. It's been years because I worked for the levee company for so a few yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. About five years
0: ago. How how long is the levee, and like where is it located?
3: It it runs God all the way back from Dewlarge, all the way back behind Shelby and Montague, going all the way towards the end. In
0: Oh, this is part of the really big uh, Morganza okay. to the Gulf. Yeah. So they've been working on this for for years, right?
4: Oh yeah, many years. They've been working on it. And
0: what's the what's the name of your bayou where you're located?
4: Terbon. Okay. Terrebonne. It's Bayou mm-hmm. Terrebonne. Bayou Terrebonne. Yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate you both taking time. I, I hope when you get back, you find things are a lot better than you expected. And hopefully the water just went under your house and uh, with very minimal damage or, or no damage at all. Yeah,
4: that's right. I hope everything's okay. Like it usually is. I can leave,
0: but everything usually I'll still in place when I get home. Yeah, yeah like Marissa was saying yesterday, you can't get lives back or your health back things like that you know money comes and goes these other things comes and go but yeah. just taking care of your safety is the first thing and that's why i'm, I'm really glad the marriott stayed open for people to to come here you know i never thought of that you know a lot of storm chasers come in news crews come in but i never thought wow these people in the low country around here yeah, it, for a
3: place at yes, yeah. exactly so you know when that evacuation order was issued it was like we were walking out the door and it was like we had to rethink what if cause we had a full house You know, and a lot of people chose to leave. And, you know, that was their choice. We just notified every single one of them of the evacuation order. Oh,
0: you had a a full house. You mean the Marriott Marriott was full with reservations, but some of those people left. Correct. And then you probably opened up capacity then for some local people to find. Yeah,
3: because it was full. We we couldn't, we had sold every room. And when they issued the evacuation order, we notified everybody, you know, this is what's going on. What do you want to do? And gave them that opportunity to go to higher ground or stay.
0: And Peggy, you said for, for the local landscape here, where we're at right now in this part of Houma is pretty high ground, right?
3: It's pretty high ground,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, Elaine, my name is Hurricane Hal. Nice to meet you. Your name is Elaine, right? Right. Um, and where do you live? You live. We're in Houma, Louisiana at the Marriott right. right now. Where?
5: Bayou? Bayou Blue. Bayou
0: Blue. So, um, so you came here for the storm. How did you hear about the Marriott or how did you choose the Marriott?
5: The company I work for put us up here.
0: So were you more concerned about wind damage or water or just all that stuff? Where you live, like, for example, is it low-line? Is it flood-prone?
5: It's not really low-line, but with the wind, when you live in a house trailer, you really don't want to stay in it.
0: So you were concerned with these wind forecasts. Remember, they were forecasting it to be Cat 3 and then Cat 4, so you were really concerned about wind damage.
5: Right, right, and I have small grandchildren, so I really didn't want to stay in a house trailer. So this is the first time, actually, that I left it. Do you know
0: how the house did or how the the neighborhood did?
5: My neighborhood, they claim, is tore up. They claim they have houses that fell on people that are waiting for people to get them out. But supposedly my place is all right other than trees on the shed, which doesn't matter to me.
0: Elaine, do you know if everyone got out or did some people stay behind?
5: Um, uh, A lot of our neighborhood, I think, stayed behind.
0: I hope everybody's, uh, obviously personal safety and health is the first concern.
5: Yeah, I know one house in the back on the bayou side um, collapsed and the people were inside the house hollering for people to get them out and um, I'm just basically waiting to be able to get over there to check everything out.
0: Yeah, we were all here at the Marriott, which stayed open really to be a refuge of people locally and regionally as well. Uh, you said you remember Hurricane Betsy back in 1965. Some people yesterday were comparing the sound of Hurricane Ida to Betsy. Did it bring up any similarities for you?
5: Yeah, it was pretty much the same, except a lot worse.
0: You think Ida was worse yeah. in that sense. Are any other hurricanes that you've been through that you compared to this, or was this the worst?
5: Well, I would say this is absolutely the worst. Yeah.
0: Elaine, I appreciate you taking time. I hope that when you get back, you find things in better condition than than you were expecting, and I hope for a quick recovery.
5: Yeah, thank you. I hope everything's all right with everybody in Houma. Thank you.
0: A few housekeeping notes about this episode. Marissa Marino referred to Hurricane Katrina several times in our interview. Hurricane Ida made landfall and we recorded the interview exactly 16 years to the day since Hurricane Katrina made landfall in Louisiana and Mississippi. Marissa referred to Katrina as a Category 4 hurricane. Technically, Katrina made landfall as a Category 3, but winds pre-landfall well exceeded Category 5, and Katrina was very large, enabling it to generate the highest storm surge on record in the Western Hemisphere. Several guests on this episode referred to low country and living down to Bayou. In this part of Louisiana, we were in Terrebonne Parish, a a lot of the land is actually elevated less than five feet above sea level. We estimated our elevation there at the Marriott and Homa was about eight and a half feet. Not very high when we consider the nation as a whole, but for that part of Terrebonne Parish, it was actually relatively high ground. It was also nice knowing that we had a large hotel We could get up in several stories of elevation if we needed to, if there was a flood. Keep in mind, the day of this hurricane, the National Hurricane Center forecasted an eight to 12 foot storm surge in this part of Louisiana. Again, we were at eight and a half feet, and we were a lot higher then a lot of the low country where many of the guests came to the Marriott to seek refuge. I hope you found this episode of GeoTrek as thrilling, as, as inspirational as I did. It was impromptu. We didn't plan it, but there we were in the moment surviving Hurricane Ida together, and I felt that like there was a lot of inspiration there in the lobby. A lot of people had some great perspective on resiliency, surviving storms, and how to come together as a community. As we wrap up this episode of GeoTrek, I wanted to extend a sincere thank you to people that work in the hotels and hospitality industry. Marissa Marino was an example of a hotel manager that went out of her way to accommodate the local population, giving them a safe place to stay during a severe hurricane strike. But regardless of the disaster, whether it's blizzards, wildfires severe weather extreme cold or hurricanes people that work in hotels and hospitality around the country often go out of their way giving people a safe place to stay when danger faces their community i think they're really unsung heroes that often go unrecognized thank you for the great work that you do and thank you so much for listening to geotrack